Welcome to the Geekcentric Podcast, and welcome to our spoiler-free review for The Creator. We can't go to heaven, because you're not good, and I'm not a person. My name is Nate, and if you're joining us for the first time, we are Geekcentric, a podcast focusing on the world of movies, TV shows, games, toys, and collectibles, and all things Geekcentric. Uh, now, joining me for today's review, we have my favorite simulant. Uh, his, his intelligence is certainly not artificial. Uh, he's Justin, the JPEG lover, Lawrence. <laughs> I am a JPEG lover. Shoot everything in JPEG. You love those JPEGs. Damn right. Better than those <laughs> raw files, let me tell you. Gee, how you doing, man? <laughs> doing well, doing well. Lot to share Good about stuff. this one. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you about this one and see where you're at. Uh, we, you know, we I think we saw it a couple days from when we're recording this, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, before I, we keep going, though, you know, I think this movie is is pretty uh, timely. Um, for those who don't know, it deals with like AI and robots. Um, Justin, I wanted to know for you when the robots do take over. Uh, this is on the record, right? They have access to this. Are you going to be their friends? Yeah, I think so. As long as they're right? obviously, uh, you know, playing. If they're nice cool. Yeah, they're cool. You know, yeah. I, it, surprisingly, and and I know we'll we'll probably get into it, but AI didn't have as much of a negative aspect to it in this film mm-hmm. as much as I thought it would have. Sure. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. I think, I think uh, humans are definitely the problem. Uh, but that <laughs> said, we I, always I, are, dude. I, for sure. And uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think that um, yeah, as long as they're not you know out to kill us, uh, yeah. sure. I would definitely. I would. I would welcome some AI assistance and <laughs> uh, AI friendship, if you will. So, for the record, we're we're against AI taking over people's jobs. Uh, but Correct. if the robots do take over the world, then. <laughs> We've lost, so yeah, just be cool, robots. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> be cool, man. Be cool. Yes. Um, but kind of getting into that a little bit further there, uh, I do want to pause to remind everyone listening that we here at Geekcentric do support the WGA and SAG-AFTRA as they strike to get the contract they deserve. Uh, without incredible writers and actors, we wouldn't get all the wonderful stories like the one featured in this film uh, and uh, and so many others that we love so much. So if you want to support the actors and writers of the things we love, you can do so by checking out the links in our description. From writer-director Gareth Edwards comes an epic sci-fi action thriller set amidst a future war between a, the human race uh, and the forces of artificial intelligence. Joshua, a hardened ex-special forces agent grieving the disappearance of his wife, is recruited to hunt down and kill the creator. The elusive architect of advanced AI who has developed a mysterious weapon with the power to end the war and mankind itself. Uh, Joshua and his team of elite operatives journey across enemy lines into the dark heart of AI-occupied territory only to discover the world-ending weapon he's been instructed to destroy is an AI in the form of a young child. The film stars John David Washington, Gemma Chan, Ken Watanabe, Sturgill Simpson, Amar Chadha Patel, Allison Janney, and Madeline Yuna Voiles. The creator premieres exclusively in theaters September 28th. Special thanks, as always, to our friends at 20th Century Studios and Disney Studios Canada for letting us watch this movie early for review. Uh, so, Justin, let's 
get into our thoughts. We're going to kind of talk about what we liked, what we didn't. Uh, and right off the bat, I'm going to start just by giving some mad praise to my guy, Gareth Edwards, uh, who directed this movie, wrote this movie. He wrote it in 2018. Um, and for him to like take so many ideas from other sci-fi movies like Blade Runner or um, Apocalypse Now, while also still giving what I felt was such an original world uh, with original characters. I just thought, I don't know, I thought the story, it had me gripped, uh, and, it, and it quickly sets everything up. It's, it really moves uh, at the beginning of the movie, which I really appreciated, uh, and gets you up to speed on like the advancement and, the, and then, like the, I guess, the degradation of human-AI relationship. Yeah, it's interesting because we're very much in at the point right now in in the real world. Uh, we're yeah. at the beginning of AI, uh, whereas yeah. this movie kicks off after the beginning of AI. AI mm -hmm. has been around for a while. They've embraced AI. They've used it to benefit their lives, and now they're at this sort of uh, purest state where they want to eliminate AI and mm -hmm. uh, disconnect from their reliance on it. So it's a very interesting perspective. It's, it is definitely the future, if you will, uh, yeah. in, in more ways than one. Um, but you're absolutely right. I think Gareth Edwards, you know, embraces so much of, um, uh, you know, the films that have come before it in this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, like you said, Apocalypse Now, which is yeah. renownedly known as one of the all-time great war films. Not because of just its depiction of war, but its depiction of the psychological toll that it yeah. has. And we see that sort of unfold in, in, in a multitude of ways with this sort of juxtapositional uh, dilemma, uh, you know, to live, to die, uh, to embrace, to destroy. Um, and I think in a lot of ways we see different characters bound to these, uh, you know, psych psychological thought processes and it all feels very fitting given its its topic but absolutely like blade runner is definitely an influence mm -hmm. i know i'm not sure if 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 this was purposeful or not but you know i see a little district nine as well yep, i see a absolutely. little elysium a bit of chappy uh, at times a little as well. bit of chappy as yeah. well like and that's definitely represented in more of the production design uh and, and the world building elements and and I, I think for myself that's that was the first thing that really drew me to wanting to check out this movie mm -hmm. is the world that it visually depicts you know it's attention to detail the production design it's so immersive you know it, it, it's it's a future that feels familiar yet alien at the same time and i think gareth edwards and the entire filmmaking team really left you know no stone unturned in crafting an environment that is visually stunning and thematically rich you know it it it, it has its own history it has its own culture um you know we, we talked about it after just to see ai and humans sharing in prayer to share in belief mm -hmm. um to share in empathy and love uh, it really does capture a a a world that i want to know more about absolutely and, and the, to your point of like just how detailed everything is it's it's the cool thing with this is is because we get to see uh, such a um, again without spoiling anything but we do get to see a large amount of time in terms of sort of the the scope between you know the the beginning of AI to where we end up in this movie and it's cool because the world itself is is steeped within its own history uh, and so for example at one point we see Alfie uh, played by Madeline Univoyles and she's watching what looks like a G.I. Joe cartoon from the 80s but if you look closely it's actually depicting the ongoing war between humans and artificial it's intelligence it's propaganda but it's also it's just done in that like 80s style because this cartoon would have come out 
you know, probably around that that time. And it's just I just I thought that was so smart. And I loved how I, I think they, you know, not just um, aesthetically, but just just also in the sense that I was never I never felt like I was taken uh, out of the film, either when seeing a simulant or a full on robot like speaking. Right. Like there's robots that are speaking in different languages. They have different accents. Uh, and I think it's it's tough to des- to design something without a mouth but instead just like a slab of metal moving up and down from its face and and not have it seem goofy, right? It seemed like it just fit within this world. I was so wrapped up in the way these characters looked. Uh, and if anything, it just got me more invested in their story. Sure. Yeah, it was It was definitely, you know, it, it definitely felt enriched with, with history that we hadn't, we haven't, we hadn't necessarily been privy to. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and we were sort of, you know, kind of sp- caught up to speed in in the intro which was done in a really smart way it was done in a in a way that felt uh as you we referenced very propaganda style Mm -hmm. uh sort of old school war uh pieces that i i thought was was extremely you know thoughtful to to do it in that manner but you know continuing with the with the conversation about the visual effects like in many cases it's just jaw-dropping the visual effects that they were able to achieve in this movie where were they Point them out. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? Like- it's, it's, it, it's so crazy. And, you know, this movie uh, is apparently cost $80 million to make, whereas Expendables 4 cost $100 million to make. <laughs> Check out our it, review for it looks, Expendables it 4. It looked like trash. Yeah, please do, because we, we get into it. Um, but the visual effects, I, I got to say, like, this transports you to a future beyond your imagination like yeah. each frame just is filled with this eye-popping visuals that push the boundaries of what you can achieve in cinema with creativity just dis- on display in its design from futuristic landscapes to advanced technology like the ai robots you were talking about and and it and it's a future that is both beautiful and haunting horrifying it's 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 yeah. terrifying and it and it's nothing short of astounding what this movie achieves on that level of visual mm-hmm. effects. So, you know, all power to the commitment of, you know, again, from the world building aspect and from the visual effects aspect, really leaning into that sci-fi component to make this feel like a world lived in. Well, huge shout outs as well, um, again, to, you know, the the casting director and and to Gareth for, um, you know, they, they, they used 80 different locations uh, around the world with very little green screen work. And then I was reading that a lot of the background actors uh, were discovered in the locations that they were shooting. Like apparently there's a there's a scene, um, you know, where where we see a bunch of scientists uh, running around. Those are actual nuclear physicists that they had in that scene from from where they shot. And I just think that's that's so damn cool. Just the locations and the way they were able to do that. And then just aesthetically in terms of like. We were talking about like just the the coolness of the design. I also want to shout out the choice to use like the text blocks, uh, the sort of the inner uh, inner titles, if you will, um, that they use to set up each chapter of the movie. The movie's sort of broken down into these these different chapters, and they reminded me of what they used to do. Oh, it didn't remind me because I didn't grow up during that time, but from what I've seen from like silent films. Uh, of that era, how they would sort of have the text come up on the screen to sort of explain or set up those stories. And then I love that there's, again, going back to the just the overall design, it's just really creepy because the name of the AI god, I won't reveal it, but the name of the AI god is in the bottom left-hand corner of every single one of these inner titles, almost as if 
this is a retelling narrated by the AI itself. And I just thought, like, again, adding all these extra levels is just... It's branded. It's it's so cool. Yeah, no, the title cards are branded in a way that makes it feel like it is them telling yeah. us this story. It's scary. Um, which, is, which is interesting. But, yeah, the, the title cards themselves... Yeah, they felt like something from the the you know the silent era of film. I would even say something, even more so, even from like uh, you know samurai films of, of the time. And yeah. you know the or idea like Godzilla, like the exactly the, right. Yeah. yeah, and and the idea they used you know English English text as well as uh, I'm imagining it would be uh, either I'm not going to go in on a basis of guessing what it is, but sure. some form of East Asian, uh, whether it be Chinese, Japanese, or or Korean, or even Thai. I'm not sure. But yeah. The, the, but the whole idea of New Asia. Yes. Uh, you know, we were talking with they another. Sort of blended. Uh, yeah, yeah, we were talking with another uh, uh, friend uh, of the show uh, after we got out of the out of the uh, the, the screening, and and we, we he also noticed how they brought together New Asia as as sort of this one entity that stood in opposition to the West, which was America and mm -hmm. its interests and how they were seen as the threat. And, you know, that sort of geopolitical uh, landscape, you know, again, feels very much um, the haunting future piece mm -hmm. uh, of of how AI might become something that is, is sort of uh, used as a tool to draw lines between beliefs and cultures very much like religion yeah. in a lot of ways and, and i think that that's exactly and i think that that's what's really interesting about using this this mentality of, of ai as as sort of a another belief um so you know all power to them again to the again adding that in as, as part of this world element and the storytelling um i want to talk about the cinematography yes please. Uh, it, it plays an integral role in amplifying this film's scope you know the camera work is is combined expertly with and with choreographed action scenes uh, and it keeps you visually invested I, I'm, I'm telling you like I was in awe the entire time we we watched this um, and whether it's it's you know high octane chase scenes through sprawling futuristic metropolis cities or just these intimate character moments the cinematography really does elevate oh, yeah. every scene making it a true visual feast and and on that note I just want to point out uh, as a guy who likes cameras and, and does a lot of camera work they actually used and, and I don't know if it's their primary camera throughout every single shot but featured heavily in this this feature that i saw uh they used a sony fx3 uh which is a prosumer level camera Whoa. uh that you know i in all honesty i was looking at purchasing a while back is it better uh, than the iphone 15 camera it is definitely better than the iphone 15 <laughs> camera but I'm, I'm just going on the basis of of you know this isn't a, an, an ari alexi right uh, no absolutely. this isn't For this isn't a red this yeah this isn't a a top tier cinema camera because what it really highlights is that it doesn't matter about what camera you're using what mm -hmm. matters is the production design the landscape, where you're shooting, all of those elements will add so much more than just the camera. So all power to these, the cinematography team behind this. Um, I think this this really does help to elevate and, and the, the, the entire story, but also just highlight the importance of everything else that goes into the picture before the camera. And, yeah. I, and I love that. Huge, huge. And I think, yeah, a big, a big, huge shout out to Greg Frazier, uh, who did, uh, he did Dune, right? And then he did Dune and he did, he did the, uh, the Batman and the he Batman. won for, he won the Oscar for Dune. So. so he had to leave 
uh, about halfway through from what we heard from from some colleagues that he he left to go do Dune two, and then Oren Soffer uh, came in to kind of round out the movie. So absolutely fantastic. But like again, even with with the work that he did in the Batman, you know, mm-hmm. it was about taking you know these high pristine cameras and putting shitty dirty lenses on it to give (laughs) it a certain grunge look right and here you have the simplest smallest form camera it's literally just a rectangle yeah and it's it's on gimbals it's on rigs it's on things that that you would imagine larger cinema cameras on it's this small camera right the rigs that are the rigs that it's on cost more than the camera itself exactly (laughs) yeah exactly And, and the fact that you know they've invested. They invested in using that sort of uh, the, the, those cameras throughout this movie. I, I'm like floored by it because yeah. you would expect, with especially given the scale and scope of this movie, that they're using you know top tier cameras that are, are cinema grade. Like the cinematography was 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 top notch. Well, I I, I want I got one. More, I want to get to performances, but just before I do, I also want to shout out uh, Hank Corwin, uh, Scott Morris, and Joe Walker for the editing in this movie. Um, I loved the way that we get flashes of, of Joshua's life to fill in the context uh, at the, the, the right time. I think anytime a movie can show me instead of tell me about the crucial background details on a character, I end up caring so much more about that character. And I think this was done in a way that at times hit really emotionally, right? Like with, with certain flashbacks only lasting even seconds at a time, like the end of a bad dream. Um, I think the fact that memories also play such an important part of Joshua's story and and this story in general I think it also lends to the way that they use those scenes really really well uh and I know a lot of that is like sort of creative decisions but it it really did come down to like how much do we show when do we show it uh and so I just wanted to shout out the editing on that as well yeah I I I think this is a technique that he's definitely used in something like uh Godzilla um, where you did kind of get little fragmented. flickers. Yep. Yeah, you get like little fragmented elements sprinkled throughout in a way that helps to, as you described, feed into the larger narrative and how it's sprinkled throughout. That helps to give context, even if we don't know exactly when it happened. Do you yep. know what I mean? Yep. Like there's one specific moment where you just see clips of like in a subway station mm-hmm. and you see a simulant numerous times. And mm-hmm. I was just like, like that was just sprinkled in there to almost highlight what has become right and what they're you know and you don't know if it's actually real Mm -hmm. or if it's just something that they're imagining it's it it. plays with it plays with your own sort of uh you know understanding of what's going on well speaking of understanding what's going on uh i think john david washington uh did a really great job of emphasizing a character who's like what's going on i think uh he was great in this movie and i think his chemistry or or um sort of lack thereof until it's their <laughs> chemistry uh, with with Madeline uh, was was fantastic, and I love I love how um, like the, she he calls her Lil Sim. She's they're called simulants, right? They, they're, they're not quite full robots, they're right. And so I love that he calls her Lil Sim, uh, and I think it's like her rap name. Yeah, <laughs> like they're really, but both of them are are the heart of this film. And I was just I was so delighted with how John David Washington gave. Um, such an emotional and engaging performance, and he he really is sort of he carries the film. Obviously, he's the he's the he, protagonist. Well, he, yeah, he has he, to, but he does it. He does a great. He job. does. He does. Yeah. He he definitely does, especially in the first two acts of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I really did adore Alfie. I think again, oh. we've, we've always called it out. We called it out. You know, I'm a dad now. I can't help but <laughs> yeah. think of my own child, and yeah. uh, you know, to see their bond, to see how they. They sort of grew together, and to also see 
how as an AI, she learned from him. This whole idea behind AI and how it intelligently learns based on your habits. It was really crazy to see how when things started to click in, it was it had something to do with her learning from him. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. And, and it's not really addressed, but it's very subtly sort of just like things just sort of happen. And it's just like, well, that makes sense. Like, even if they don't say anything, you will you will be able to validate it. But I totally agree. I think their their story, their connection um, at opposite ends, you know, mm-hmm. war torn hero, uh, you know, adolescent symbolism of of the future, not knowing what she is f- and, and discovering that along the way mm-hmm. um, and him discovering his own empathy and and emotion in relation to his relationship with Alfie. It's it's a it's gr- it's a great recipe for a story. Yeah. And, and they did so much in the f- in the first two acts that really had me hooked and really appreciating them. And, and to your point, their performances were so emotionally invested. And that's all you can ever ask for as an audience member is, is for these actors to to commit, to yeah. to really believe. And that dynamic was just, it was so well well done. Well, and especially from Madeline, I think she's she's so endearing. You're not gonna, yeah. there's no, I don't think there's a human on earth that yeah. couldn't fall for her charm. She's the symbolism of innocence. A hundred percent. And I think yeah. the, the other thing I would say too is like, a lot of times, and I said this when we got out of the, the theater, I was like, there's so many kid actors that just take me right out of a film uh, at, at her age. Uh, yeah. And she didn't. She fit so perfectly in this world. I believed every single moment with her on, on screen. Um, and I think she just she gave such a, a, a competent and driven performance for someone her age. And I'm, I'm, that's just awesome. That's awesome. Um, I also just wanted to, before we keep going, um, I also did want to shout out a couple more folks. Uh, I think Allison uh, Janney did a fantastic job, Dude, you know, she, bringing the sort of the, the Sigourney Weaver yes. fucking Ripley vibe, Ripley like, vibe. <laughs> you know, and she's and she's that like, like, again, there's 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 archetypal uh, genre tropes yes. in this movie that are represented through characters. And Allison Janney's character is entirely that she's so that good. she's that, you know, higher up military, you know you know kind of conflicted but not really she knows that she has has a task yep and i i think that you know again she she brings that that almost that nostalgic true sci-fi vibe in her performance and i love that she's she is able to really drive home in her performance in her acting the concept of a character who's driven Yes, by this sort of overall goal, but also something that's very personal to her as well. It's a personal journey. I love it. Um, Ken Watanabe, I love him in everything he does. I just I can't I can't get over how great this guy is. Soft spoken warrior, man. He's phenomenal every single time. Um, And then I did just want to give one more shout out to Amar Chadha Patel. Um, You know, I mean, we both we both looked at each other. We were so stoked. We were so stoked. Um, I would have. I do think like. We, we we got a good amount of him. I would have liked a lot more. I would have um, liked just because I love him so much, and, yeah. and he's so great. In, in in you know, rest in peace, Willow. Um, so <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I I was stoked to see him pop up. Um, but let's get to some maybe some things that we weren't so uh, stoked about. Uh, and Justin, I know for you, uh, I'm gonna have you jump in here because you you've already yeah. brought it up. You know, you've mentioning the the first two acts, uh, and you said that the third act of the film uh, dropped the ball for you. If you want to elaborate. Yeah. Well, dude, uh, it's it's impossible for me to ignore mm-hmm. the narrative missteps in the third act. Yeah. I, I think the characters, as I mentioned, so promisingly 
introduced in the first two acts, I feel like they're let down by a rushed and disjointed conclusion. Yeah. Uh, it's just plot convenience all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. It feels as though the storytelling took a backseat to the visual spectacle. And I, it just left me expecting more of a satisfying resolution for these character arcs and the, the plot threads that they were kind of sprinkling throughout. And, you know, they were carefully woven throughout this film that tied them together. And I, I don't know. It just it, it delivers a, a very rushed ending that also felt very inevitable. Uh, I think mm. even I knew the way this movie was going to end, but it's just how we got there was so rushed. And I, I feel like that last act really just throws some things out the window. And, and to me, this is the biggest detriment to this entire movie because I've spent the last little bit here t- talking about how much really, really worked for me. Yeah. But this one thing really just diminishes this movie in a lot of ways and and it's so sad because it's it's unfortunate because of the performances that were given yeah. by our main cast that they're not serviced with a a really strong sort of arc it just kind of made it seem like that's it yeah i've heard people uh you know sort of some other um people in the press who've who've seen the movie and have already been tweeting out their thoughts and a lot of people saying like oh i'd love a sequel i'd love to see more from this world and no. i think well here's the thing prequel uh, give me prequel sure <laughs> but I, I also that would actually be awesome um, the creator but, <laughs> animatrix series i'm just saying but, like if it's the creator and it's like done in animation sure i would love to see those stories told and it could help tell more about this world just saying right but i i think like had this third act really really hit the nail on the head I think a lot more people would have been okay with a one and done. And, and, and I almost sort of feel like maybe people are wanting a sequel because to your point, that third act did feel so rushed. I even wrote down in my notes, third act rush, um, because there's just, there's a, there's a moment that hits in the movie. And as soon as it does, you're going to know what we're talking about. If you're listening Mm -hmm. to this now. Um, and, and they, unfortunately, as I mentioned earlier, how much I love when they when they show, not tell. There was so much more telling than there was showing uh, in the third act. So I completely agree. So much. Um, I think a couple other disappointments for me. Um, I think the the dialogue definitely oh, get, yeah. gets clunky a little bit. I I, I want to shout out. Uh, I guess it's not a shout out. It's more like a call out. Uh, You've shouted out a lot. So like <laughs> Sturgill, if you just Sturgill Simpson uh, as as the character of Drew. I just. The expositional dump. Okay, here's the thing. And I wasn't even so upset by the expositional dump. It's just, it's a moment later in the, uh, it's in a latter part of the film where he's responsible for delivering big revelations to our main character. And he comes off so flat. Like he's literally reading the script on set while they're filming. And it just, it took me out of what could have really been like such a huge moment for the character. It, it, and and I, I would probably say, well, yes, there's other instances, again, I don't want to get into necessarily too much territory, where sure. the film stumbles in dialogue department and, and at times conversations between characters feel more forced sure. and, and sort of lacking the nuances. And and that is definitely a distraction, especially when compared to the film's otherwise very, very great production value. Right. Um, but I'm wondering if, if these scenes were either rewritten in because... I don't know why they would have written because to your point in that moment is is a big revelation and it's it's like why would you write that in that way yeah is and there's why, like, there's what I was thinking more the, or less than a the character's not even on screen at times when he's saying these lines so was that ADR like it yeah well exactly and the, but it's just it's just the way that again how this is 
given to our our protagonist how he is coming into into the realization of this i just wonder if if again if it was just a misstep from the writing standpoint and that's why we get this sort of stinted forced performances and that's what i was thinking about with many of 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 the dialogue to issues that were going on mm-hmm. is that they were probably more just filled in right portions to kind of connect dots sure that just hadn't been connected originally so i don't know if i could really attribute it to just performances as much as it is a writing misstep okay yeah maybe maybe i'm being too harsh on on sturgill but um i i, I will <laughs> say the the last thing that was um, disappointing for me, and I'm I'm huge on the music in movies, and I I just think there's so many. There are some great to me, at least as as a, a casual fan, if you will, of sort of these these blockbuster sci-fi movies. It's like there's some dope needle drops, but it felt like every single time. You know how like you're only allowed to use a certain amount of music for a TikTok. That's what it felt like. Like every single time, yeah. You know, they, like there's like Radiohead for yeah, yeah. Radiohead starts up, and then it's like, and then I'm like, let's go, we're into it, and then it goes away after like a minute, and I'm just like, it just felt like musically, it, it, it there was no moment that really carried the momentum the way it could have in a scene, and uh, and and that's both from from the score and the soundtrack, and I'm I'm blown away. I love Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer is insane. I was surprised. To see his name <laughs> when it popped in, up in the, the credit, credits, I was yeah. like, "What? Hans Zimmer made the music because it didn't. It didn't have no. the sort of bombastic Hans Zimmer sure. score. There was no emphasis it, on the on the no, music for sure. Exactly. Yeah. And Hans Zimmer, Hans Zimmer's music also signature is is signature to him. Yeah. Right. Like it's just there's a there's a quality to it that feels inherently Hans Zimmer. The the score in this movie felt very downplayed mm-hmm. while the visuals were definitely top tier for right? sure and maybe there's a there's something to be said about sort of the distraction of of it's like how great this movie looked that maybe we weren't listening as much um but i will say True. the score that plays over the credits listening to it and and since listening to it a couple pieces on youtube it's gorgeous but i just at least during my first watch i i just never got the sense that it was integrated too well into the film so maybe that's a fair you know, point though too yeah. just good good call out it could have been that we were so enamored by the visuals that <laughs> yeah. we just blocked our ears off of everything <laughs> it's from a music yeah except we still heard that horrible uh dialogue at times uh from Sturgill Simpson um all right let's get to our overall thoughts and final score uh for this movie which we're going to be rating on a scale of and I know this is kind of scary one to five possible futures uh and Justin I'll get you to kick us off yeah um like I was saying before, I I think the creator is a testament to the power of visual storytelling. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a love letter uh, to the films that have come before it. And as you know, Gareth Edwards has openly uh, talked about how he's blended a a war film with sci-fi film elements to tell a story that is both poignant and haunting as AI becomes our future. Uh, I think it's stunning aesthetics create an immersive and unforgettable cinematic experience that will have audiences remembering this long after the credits roll. But like I was saying, I I think the film struggles with, with character development and a third act that that disappointingly falls short of a promising buildup in the first two acts, it undeniably compensates with its breathtaking aesthetics. You have to watch this movie. Exactly. You have yeah. to watch this movie. The yeah. sheer spectacle of its visual effects, the meticulous attention to production design, the yeah. awe-inspiring cinematography all combine to create a cinematic experience that ranks among the year's most unforgettable films. For sure. A hundred percent. However, 
This film to me is a reminder that even the most dazzling visuals can't fully compensate for a narrative that leaves its characters and story feeling underdeveloped in its final act. So I'm going to give this movie a 3.5 out of 5 possible futures. Oh, yeah. I I'm I'm definitely a little higher on it. Um I think, you know, I think thinking like back to when we first saw this trailer and I was like, "Oh, it's so Rogue One." And uh and that got me so stoked and so happy. Um and I remember some of the feelings that I had as I was watching Rogue One of of sort of like, yeah, good guys and bad guys and then sort of watching it again and going like, um like kind of not great guys and and bad guys and then kind of watching it again and going oh my gosh, war is just awful. And I think that that, that is emphasized e- like even more in this sci-fi movie from, from Gareth Edwards. I think it's it's so much more grounded and it's so harsh um, and it's such a topical subject while at the same time that, you know, he infuses story and, and, and visuals borrowed from other sci-fi stories, but still it's so wholly original um, that it just had me smiling and, and, and every time a new variation of a character would pop up uh, uh, that we haven't seen before I was just like that's so freaking cool um the world building the character design the way that we talked about spirituality uh was was involved and the the horrors of war um were depicted as as like just not something I I expected out of a sci-fi blockbuster um and yeah the the cinematography the way it was shot uh, my eyes were glued to the screen Dave, John David Washington Madeline Univoyles just captured me enough that I was really invested in them throughout the movie I I wanted more from the music uh, overall and like you're saying yeah that third act is super rushed it's so hard to ig- ignore that aspect and yeah would this be a five out of five for both of us had that not have happened probably um but they're you know at the same time I just I was so enamored by just how stunning and terrifying this dystopian world that he created was um, that I just I just wasn't I wasn't too upset by the end of the movie. Um, I think this is a solid sci-fi movie that fits within like really really perfectly within his repertoire, uh, and I think a lot of people are really going to enjoy the the movie as we in our world navigate the the scary potential <laughs> reality within its plot. Um, so I'm going to give the creator. A very solid four out of five possible futures. Uh, but that is it for our review of The Creator. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts on this movie uh, or any of the movies that we cover, well, let me just reprogram Justin so he can let you know how to reach us. Well, they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or they can reach out to us on the app formerly known as Twitter, at GeekCentricYT, or on Instagram at WeAreGeekCentric, and on Threads and TikTok yeah. at WeAreGeekCentric. I know it's not something to, to, to take lightly, but I will just, in the in jest and in humor, I will say the one job that I does hope sooner than later gets d- taken by a robot uh, is the owner of uh, Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Please just <laughs> give it back to us. Give us Twitter again. Uh, you know, I, I think anyone, even a robot, would do better than uh, that guy. Um, but uh, if you want to tell us your thoughts of this movie, and maybe you want to say it is a three point five, or it is a four, or maybe it's a five for you, uh, we'd love to chat about it once you've seen it. So be sure to join our Discord using the link in our description, uh, and let us know your thoughts as we as we kind of continue uh you know watching all these different movies and of course we have our watch club uh for star wars ahsoka and we are just 
through the moon on that series. So we're breaking it down every single week in our watch club. Uh, and you can join us in the Discord to let us know your theories and your thoughts uh, on the latest episodes. Uh, keep in mind, we also have a ton of great episodes covering the latest in movies, TV shows, and games, including our recent spoiler-free reviews for Expendables 4, I Am Groot Season 2, Star Wars Ahsoka Episodes 1 and 2, Only Murders in the Building Season 3, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Uh, we also have a ton of interviews out now, like our various interviews with folks from Star Wars, Marvel, Disney, and so many more. So you can catch those interviews uh, here on your podcast service of choice or over on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. Uh, make sure to subscribe, click the likes, do all the things so you can keep up with the great stuff that we got coming at you. Justin, thank you so much for joining me for this sci-fi blockbuster review. And as we say, love ya. Peace. <laughs>